Happy summer, everyone. Welcome back to The Well Podcast. This is Amber. I hope everyone is enjoying some change of pace and hopefully getting to waste a little time here and there. Nothing says summer quite like blowing off some responsibility. I know we've had more than just a couple of nights of cereal for dinner at my house, and I am not ashamed. Before we get into this month's story, I want to take a second and tell you how we are finding these amazing stories. Well, we kind of aren't. These are not people whose stories we know. They haven't shared their testimony in the past. They're just people in our church. And about a year ago, we tapped them on the shoulder and said, um, hey, so you seem really great and we wanna hear your story on stage. And then we're gonna put it out on a podcast and share it with the world. And honestly, I have no idea why any of these wonderful people said yes, but none of them slapped us and they all agreed. And we have found this treasure trove of stories that were just hidden in the people already sitting next to us. Today's treasure comes from Rachel. Rachel is amazing. She is fun and kind and thoughtful and encouraging. And one of those fantastic letter writers, I always say I will be, but I never quite get around to it. Also, she is pretty entertaining. You'll see yourself. Rachel is interviewed by Megan, so let's listen. Um, But yeah, so I grew up um, here um, at Shandon, right here in Columbia. Um, I've lived here my whole life. Um, uh, Last year, last April, um, I ventured into um, Blythewood. So I no longer live in Columbia, (laughs) but I am in Blythewood now. Way up in Blythewood. Yes, way up in Blythewood. Um, Like the very first exit that could be out of Columbia. Um, I am now there. Like my zip code changed, um, which... um, uh, was a problem a couple of times at the gas pump because I'm putting in like the zip code that I've had my whole life and I'm like, why won't this work? Um, but because my zip code was different. Um, so that was really um, <laughs> traumatic. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, um, I was an English major, so I feel like I need to... Um, Uh, Actually, I heard a comedian recently um, describe, he was an English major, and he sort of poked fun at his degree. He said, you know, I went to school for four years to get a degree in a language I already spoke. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, it took me five. (laughs) So um, I went to school for five years to get a degree in a language in which I already spoke. Um, But now it helps me describe myself to you all as the personification of hyperbole. So if you understand that, you can thank an English teacher, Um, but it means that um, I like to exaggerate or be dramatic for effect, um, and that I embody that. Um, so, so there's... Till um, it's full effect. Yes. <laughs> um, a little bit, yes. We did our mic check earlier um, to a dramatic rendition of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air um, <laughs> theme song, but we talked it out. So. That's right. She knows all the worlds and I made up words. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so tell me a little bit about your faith journey. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people that you talk to, sometimes they describe their story as, you know, I grew up in the church or I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I grew up in the church um, as an institution, but also um, the church as in um, this building um, with these people. Um, also, before it was located here, I mean, like, I'm that person that I think um, actually a couple weeks ago I was talking to Sarah Helmadoller and trying to give her, like, history of Shandon. Like, in 1995, we briefly met in the movie theaters before coming over here, and we had a picnic on the ground. Yeah, so um, I feel like I'm you know, a little uh, Shandon historian. Um, but grew up here, um, uh, grew up, you know, we were here Sundays and Tuesdays when Tuesday night outreach was a thing, um, and Wednesdays um, and weekends when there were activities and at church camps. Um, I got baptized when I was um, six by Dr. Lincoln um, at the old Shandon on Woodrow Street, and I had to stand on his feet um, as he baptized me because you couldn't see my head over the like ledge. It wasn't clear, so I think people saw about that much of me as I, as I got baptized. Um, uh, so I was baptized really young, um, and I think probably on every... Um, elementary school overnight camp lock-in or middle school overnight camp lock-in and high school retreat. I rededicated my life to the Lord at every single one of those. Like Look Up Lodge, Camp La Vida, Awanata. I Like if those are still things in our circuit, like I was there on like tree stumps saying, 
I give my life to you, God. So, Dramatic. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. If there was a call to come forward, I was coming forward. Um, uh, so, um, um, so again, grew up right here in the midst of of all of of church. Um, uh, I was telling somebody recently, I said, if you didn't change my diaper, I've probably changed yours um, from like having just been here. I think there's probably people in here that changed my diaper. Um, if Miss Kay is here, she rocked me when I was like one year old in the nursery. Um, but tell me how your tell me how your faith started to play out like in high school. Yeah. Um, college. So in in high school, I really felt like, you know, again, sort of playing to the dramatic side of me, I, I felt like almost everywhere I went, I was just kind of playing a role. Like, what character am I? Um, or what, maybe not even what character am I, but like, what stage am I on? What's the setting? Um, and if I was at church, I was in my church setting, and I was the uh, church girl. And if I was at school, I was in my school setting. And, and not necessarily um, a, a bad girl, but those, those worlds never collided. They never intertwined. Um, you know, when I was at home, I was a daughter. When I was at school, I was a student. When I was at church, I was a Christian. And they just didn't, it just was wherever I was, I just did, did that necessary thing. Um, and so I sort of... Um, like when I try and think about it, I think, you know, well, why did I continue to maybe be all those things? And I, I think I never felt like I was really doing a great job at any of them. So I was like, all right, well, that one didn't work out so well. Let me come over here and let me see how well I can play like star student and, and see what I can what I can do here. Um, I, I felt like kind of a... a a flip-flopper, you know, wherever, whatever worked for me in the moment, whatever was successful, um, wherever things were going well, that's kind of um, the person, personality that got um, the most airtime with me. Um, and uh, So would you say you were a different person in, in every room? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say, like, unrecognizable, you know. I mean, I was not... Um, uh, well, maybe, I don't know. I, yes, I was a different person, um, and I just, you know, wore the different hats. Um, I felt like I had been in church long enough to know the right things to say, and I'd been a student long enough to know, you know, the right things to say to, to do those things. Um, but it just never, like, none of the roles ever really felt comfortable, really felt like, oh, this is me. This is what I was born to play. You know, this is, um, this is where I'm at my best. This is where I shine. Um, and so probably in college is where, um, and I was still here, <laughs> I was right here. Um, I was at USC, um, right here um, in Shannon College Ministry when we did meet over at the movie theaters. Um, but I feel like those um, kind of the, um, the boundaries, or not the boundaries, but the, the differences became a lot more dramatic, um, more extreme behaviors, um, or maybe not behaviors, but just um, people. Mm -hmm. You know, I would, um, you know, at, at church here in college, um, you know, I was on um, uh, Shandon College Leadership. Um, I worked at um, a Christian camp um, in um, Missouri for a summer as a counselor. Um, I was in a, a Christian comedy show. Um, SNA. Yeah, yeah, SNA. Dressing, um, SNA, sorry. Yes, um, not Saturday Night Alive. Yes, yes. Sunday Night Alive. Um, Sunday. Megan was actually a host I, of it. Yes. Um, George was a host of it once, and I think we have them on like VHS somewhere. Um, <laughs> that my devoted parents stood in the back with like the old school camcorder that like sits on your thing. And I think probably what you can hear more than like the hilarity on stage is my sweet parents going, oh, they're just so good. They're just so <laughs> funny. They're so adorable, you know. And um, it, my brother and I were both in it. Um, so it was, you know, they were sort of like the sponsors of our, of our show. <laughs> um, and they were, they were awesomely supportive. Um, but so I was doing those things, um, really big thing. I don't say big, but, um, um, you know, I, I got into positions of, leadership or platforms of um, authority um, for church and church things. Um, but at the same time, the, the other side of me was also um, in some extreme um, behaviors. Um, and, you know, I don't like to classify worse, better, whatever. But, uh, you know, I was out 
um, uh, drinking and um, you know, just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Um, I didn't uh, really date anybody at all in college. I kind of you know, felt like I'd sworn off guys in both worlds. That might have been the only thing that like, kind of uh, connected in both. Um, uh, my best friend, um, uh, Lauren, and I actually in um, college on our notebooks um, had written um, like our name plus Jesus forever. Like the, that's, that's where we were going. Um, and mine was, you know, Rachel plus Jesus, and hers was Lauren, and um, that, was, that was us there. But then on the other side of things, um, just <laughs> those behaviors went um, extreme too. You know, just um, uh, drinking, just, um, just reckless behaviors, um, just uh, friendships and relationships that were not um, good at all, just... Um, uh, I mean, just rotten. I don't know how else to yeah. describe it um, without, you know, outlining a list of everything. But I mean, just um, not a way that matched up with any of that. And, you know, I was talking to somebody um, as I was sort of preparing for this and you know, kind of called it a, a, a double life. And, you know, she's like, I don't, you know, that sounds really harsh. And it, it, it does, but I feel like that's what it was. I mean, it wasn't just necessarily, you know, one person this way, one person that way. It was extremes. It was, you know, I'm on stage. Age, talking about Jesus. I'm on leading tables in the gym on Sunday mornings talking about Jesus. I am a camp counselor to, you know, nine and ten-year-olds talking about Jesus, and then this. And, the, and those did not add up at all. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I don't... Looking at, I don't know that I did either one successfully. You know, I mean, I don't know that I was a really good bad girl or a really good leader <laughs> on the other side. And I, I feel like that is, um, I mean, that was like just this constant tug of war with me. Mm-hmm. But can you tell me what this is and what this led to after college? Um, were those posters that like have this picture on it? Oh, yeah, the magic, and magic eye or something. You go cross-eyed and then you see the picture. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I, I never, I never saw those. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, which I read one time was a sign of intelligence. Um, so <laughs> sorry, but I would stand next to people. Sorry. As they are looking at them and describing what they saw and just echo them and be like, yes, it is a man with a hat. My juicy. And then the dolphin jumps right, you know, and just saying that I saw it but never seeing it. I did not know how to cross my eyes or whatever to see it. And I feel like that in like standing next to these people and alongside just some amazing people that I just would repeat what they said or just sort of mimic or, um, you know, just follow behind them. But it was never real to me. But so it I, was like a performance. Yes. Okay. But, um, but I felt like I was actually wanting to do it. Like, sure. I'm, I'm trying, like, fake it till you make it kind of right. thing. Like, right. one of these days I'll enjoy going to the gym. Um, <laughs> like, it was like one of these days it will make sense if I just keep doing it. Um, and so do you feel like feeling like that kind of fed this double life um, continuously? It, it, so definitely early on, like in co- um, high school and college, yes. But at this point, I really, like towards the end of college, about to graduate, I really am thinking, okay, Rachel, like this is, this is it. Like quit playing this game, figure out how to do it and try. And I was trying, but um, it just, I don't want to say not in the right ways. I didn't know what to do. I knew there was a relationship out there that I needed, and I didn't know how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met a boy. <laughs> um, this boy. Um, <laughs> um, I met my husband, Doug. Um, uh, thank you to my mom. I can't say that I met him. My mom set me up with him. Thank you. Um, uh, she worked with his mom, and they set us up on a blind date. Um, this was a week before I graduated college. Um, and I, you know, had been just sort of closed off to guys and sort of even like emailing him because at this point I'd been in college long enough that email was a real like normal thing. <laughs> so we were emailing and he eventually sort of wanted to ask me out. And I said, well, you can come out with it, like me and my friends. I'd like for you to get to meet people if you're new to Columbia. Um, and so he came out, um, uh, um, he came out once, um, 
No. He said, I would like to just take you out. Okay. So we went out and, um, uh, on one date, and um, then I asked for the second date. Um, <laughs> probably asked for everything after that, um, but I asked for a second date, and I got it. Um, and uh, I, what I had been striving for at the end of college to find this real, like, authentic relationship um, I got from Doug, um, and it felt good. Um, uh, it didn't feel wrong. I, I mean, I certainly don't feel like our relationship was wrong at all. I feel like we did the right things um, it, you know, in our um, courtship. We went from, um, date, from meeting, not dating, from meeting to married in 18 months. Um, which sometimes sounds really crazy. Um, like when I hear people talk about like a two-year engagement or something, I'm like, what? I didn't even know him that long before um, we were sleeping in the same bed next to one another. And I'm like, I've had shoes longer than I've known him. Um, but um, it, was, um, it, it, it was great. Um, and I feel like we, like I said, we... Um, did the right things. We played um, the church game. You know, we were um, we were here at church. Um, we you know had church friends. We were good people. We had a, a good life. We were happy. He was um, a, you know level-headed engineer, and I was you know an English major looking for a job. Um, not really sure what you do with an English major with an English degree, um, but I you know would spend our evenings you know. Uh, Burning dinner um, and burning CDs. I made mixed mix CDs a lot um, uh, um, to go in my walk, my disc man. Um, so, and um, we would uh, we watched the OC and Game Day, and that was that was our life. Um, it was a good life, you know. And it was, I mean, you know, we had church friends. We, um, you know, we prayed together. We said our blessings at dinner, at mealtimes. I mean, it was just, it was good. Um, it was, it was a good, um, it, it was good. Um, and, uh, but certainly not deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, shortly after we were married, it was a, um, a family wedding, um, that we were at. Um, I, I, I'm not sure we'd even been married six months. Um, I can't remember. It, it was his brother's wedding, and I can't remember how far, how long after we got married they got married. But anyways, um, uh, at their, their wedding was an open, open bar wedding. Um, mine was not. Um, ours was a dry wedding because my parents paid for it. Um, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> It was a dry wedding. Um, uh, sorry, Mom. Um, but so um, she sat right in my line of sight, too. Um, so we were, at a fan, we were at his brother's wedding, and it was an open bar, and everybody was drinking, so I was drinking, um, and I got drunk. And um, I think, I mean, this was definitely the first time Doug had ever seen me um, drunk. And drunk people are idiots. Um, and I was an idiot. Um, I was just stupid. Um, and I mean, he is so like put together to a T and like seeing me like that was nothing he expected. Um, and I got one of those really like fatherly talks from him. Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, just be mad, please. <laughs> it's so much easier. And I mean, I like shut down. Like, ugh, why are you disappointed? I didn't do anything to disappoint you, you know? And, um, and really, I mean, I know you, and I know I don't know you near as well as Doug, but I would guess Rachel drunk is out of control. So, yeah, the, yeah. just the fact that he was shocked. <laughs> that I could it's do shocking. anything to shock yeah, him. Yeah, yes, right, yes, right. yes, um, yes. I, yeah, I still had a few cards up my sleeve to shock him. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Um, that it was, yes. Um, so, it, you know, it just, um, it, it was this, you know, like I said, this, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. And instead of, like, letting that sort of wash over me, mm-hmm. I was embarrassed. <laughs> you know, I was like, I just... Ugh, I don't know how to respond to that. So 
I dug my heels in and I was like, whatever, man, you know, that's on you. If you don't know how to cut loose and have a good time, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, we're, uh, you know, I don't do that all the time. I mean, obviously you've known me now, you know, two years or whatever, and I've never done that. Like, it's not who I am. I just had a good time at your brother's wedding. Chill out. Um, and, uh, and it sort of kind of ended there, um, I guess. Um, and it was, uh, it was just what it was. I mean, that was it. Um, and I mean, I will say I was, I was not an alcoholic. I know everyone says that's what an alcoholic says. I, I, I wasn't, but I had a drinking problem. Um, I wasn't ever around it enough or exposed to it enough to um, handle it. Um, and I was just this like go big or go home mentality. Um, one, because I really didn't like the way any of it tasted. Um, so if I was going to have to keep drinking it, I need to drink it fast so that it would be all right. You know, okay, now now I'm ready. Um, but I, I mean, it, I was just ridiculous. I would be, you know, the the first one to call, hey, let's do shots, or the first one to challenge. You know, I can drink more than you, um, which usually meant I was the first one to throw up um, and the first one to pass out um, at these times when, uh, you know, I chose uh, to drink. Um, again, it was not, it was not around me all the time. We were not socialites. We were not at stuff um, where there would be drinking. We didn't have uh, uh, alcohol in our house. It was never in my house growing up. The people we were friends with didn't do it. It was just, it was not a, um, it was not part of our social life. So it was these rare um, occasions um, when it happened. Um, I, but every time it happened, um, it, it seemed like a big, it, it was a big deal. Um, in, uh, um, I, I guess, sh um, not shortly after we were married, that was, you know, at his brother's wedding, um, but a, a couple years into our marriage, um, uh, I'm a high school um, English teacher. That's what you can do with an English degree. Um, uh, so I was a high school English teacher, um, and uh, I, I lost my job because of drinking. Um, you know, I, I did not show up to work drunk. Um, I did not cuss out my boss, um, but I, I took a group of high school graduates um, on a beach trip um, and drank with them and allowed them to drink um, around me, and when uh, the, the alcohol that they brought with them um, ran out, um, I was the one old enough to go and get more. Um, and uh, so um, this was, you know, days before social media, one of the sweetest blessings from the Lord in my life. <laughs> that was days before social media. But um, word travels, um, especially when... Um, People on the trip are um, people like the principal's daughter <laughs> or um, one of my co-English teacher's daughter. Um, so um, uh, I was rightfully let go from that job. Um, I lost my job. I lost my job because of drinking. Um, it, it, uh, something that I did, uh, you know, probably... 20 times in my life, which isn't a lot when you say I'm, you know, when I'm 37, um, but I lost my job because of it. Um, and, you know, Doug was so, um, I mean, he was supportive in the, the only way he knew how, because I was a mess. I was mortified. I was embarrassed. I was back again. I don't know where to go. Like, I, I was teaching at the high school where I went. Um, where my brother's picture was in the library from being student body president, where the teachers that I was teaching with had been my teachers. Students that were there went to my church. I mean, I was a royal disappointment and did not know where to go. Um, and anytime we would talk about it, I would just be hysterical, you know, like, um, you know, the, like, um, can't catch your breath crying, <laughs> just don't know, you know, you know, what to do from here. And so, I mean, he was supportive. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, without sort of the anger and disappointment side, although, I mean, I knew it had to be there. Um, but he, you know, we were also faced with, you know, job loss. You got to get a job. Um, so, it was, you know, we didn't 
talk about it like we should have because anytime we tried to talk about it, I got into hysterics and men don't do well with hysterics. Um, and so he, we just stopped talking about it and it just, I don't wanna say it went away, but it went away. Uh, you know, we just moved on, you know, a couple weeks off from your Sunday school class and then you come back and you know, your eyes aren't as puffy as they used to be and you tell everyone, hey, I got this new job and it's gonna be great. Uh, why didn't you, why don't you wanna teach anymore? Oh, I'm just not good at classroom management. Um, <laughs> So, um, uh, you know, I mean, that was, that was my line. And then I just hoped that I would get far enough removed from it that, you know, I wouldn't have to talk about it anymore. Um, and so we moved, we, we moved on, but we never dealt repaired it. it. We never dealt with it. Mm -hmm. um, we, had, um, we had our daughter, um, Katie, um, a couple of years later. We'd been married um, four years when we had Katie. And... Um, we had kind of a, a tough adjustment as new parents. Um, I think we both sort of went through like some postpartum, what happened to our life. Um, I loved my daughter, oh, I, but I didn't like her yet. I didn't want anything bad to happen to her. I was so scared that I um, was not doing things right, that not feeding her enough, that she would die. Like I literally lived every day paralyzed that she's going to die because I'm the only way she eats. You know, and if she doesn't eat enough, she's getting, so we, so we, we just went through it with, um, you know, her first um, really like six to nine months to a year. Um, and people would say, you know, when are you gonna have another one? And we'd always say, if we have another one, like we are not sure, like this has been rough. Like, have you seen her? Have you seen kids? Like, this is scary. Um, so it took, us a, it took us a while to get to the point um, of wanting to have another child. And when we got to the point of wanting to have another child, I wanted it then, right then. Like I had always said, I want um, a, one, when I'm one when he's 30 and one when I'm 30. And Katie had come when he was 30. So, you know, at, at the point where I'm 30, I'm ready to have another child. Um, and we had gotten to the point where, okay, sure, we'll have it, um, we can start trying. Um, well, we started trying and um, we couldn't get pregnant. Um, and we, I don't necessarily know if we had trouble getting pregnant with Katie. I mean, I said we'd been married almost four years, um, but we weren't necessarily trying to get pregnant, um, but I was um, periodically on birth control. Um, so um, I don't know if, we, if it took us four years to get pregnant or what, because we weren't trying. Um, but so we had no frame of reference. It took it, we could not get pregnant. Um, and it, it, it really was hard on me. Um, and my devastation and drama over not being able to get pregnant with a second child, um, I think is one of the biggest hurts in our marriage that I've caused Doug, um, that he felt he took my sadness over not being able to have another child as you and Katie aren't enough. What I've already got here, this greatness that we have going, is not enough. I need more. You guys don't cut it. Um, and it, um, and he voiced that to me. And I was, you don't understand. You are enough, but I need this too. We need more. Um, and we, um, we fought about it all the time, which is not a great like mindset when you're trying to have a baby. Um, so, I mean, we just, we just were angry. I was angry that he couldn't see that I, that it was valid to want another child, that it didn't change how I felt about them, um, but that I wanted another baby. And that if he'd been on board, why wasn't he on board, you know, regardless of how hard it was. Um, and, and so we were just fighting constantly. Um, and, uh, so um, at, at one point, um, you know, we were just we we're just not in a good place at all. We we're you know, like I said, we we're just fighting. We put, both poured our lives kind of into Katie, our jobs, and our friends, and our church, but not one another. Mm -hmm. um, and just uh, didn't you know, sort of collapsed into bed each night, just tired from all of that stuff, and just didn't um, we just didn't enjoy one another anymore. Um, and um, so fast forward to however long this has taken us, um, and I'm at a um, work Christmas party. Um, and the nature of my job is that when we have sort of outside functions out of work, I'm usually the one planning them. So I don't take 
my family um, or my husband to them most of the time because I'm actually like working the, the party, working the event. So I'm at a Christmas party um, uh, or a holiday party um, for work and um, it is open bar and I'm stressed and I'm tired of fighting with my husband and I think that a drink will do me some good. And, you know, I had friends at work and let loose, Rachel, you're never any fun. Or, you know, the part, everything's gone well. We've all eaten and had the holiday fun. Now come have a drink. We've got all these tickets we need to use. So um, I did. And um, I, you know, I, again, I don't drink often. It doesn't take much to um, get me um, drunk. Um, but I wasn't leaving that up to chance and made sure I had more than enough. Um, and I got really, really drunk, and drunk to the point where, I mean, everyone knew it was not safe for me to drive, um, and so I had some, you know, very wise people that I worked with that knew they needed to take me home, but so drunk I could not tell them how to get to my house. Um, so they called my husband, um, who's at home with my daughter, um, and asked him for directions because his wife has had too much to drink and cannot drive and also can't give directions. So... I, you know, we get home, they, you know, are gracious enough to quickly drop me off as Doug is in the driveway waiting for me, and um, we fight from the driveway into the house up to the bathroom where I need to vomit, and it's no longer I'm not mad, I'm disappointed, it is I am mad. I do not understand this, Rachel, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this? You know, you have a child now. She's in the next room sleeping while you're off doing whatever. And as I like got up to stand up to go get in bed, he looked at me and he said, I don't want you to ever drink again. Anything. Not one, not water, but not alcohol. Like, I don't want you to ever drink alcohol again. You owe that to me. You have, you have affected our family three significant times. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want you to ever drink again. And I looked at him and I said, okay. <laughs> and so, and I said, okay, okay, I get it. I knew he was mad. He had every right to be mad. And again, I'm back through this embarrassment and but I feel like at this point, it was not the embarrassment of being scolded. It was the embarrassment of having um, hurt him um, in that way. And, um, and so I said, okay, I'll, I'll never drink again. Um, and I, I haven't. That was um, December 10th of 2011. And that date makes me, knowing that date makes me sound like, an, uh, like a recovering alcoholic. But it, it, I'm just, I'm good with dates. Um, but anyways, but I remember it um, because I planned the party. I had to make the invitation, so I knew when it was. Um, uh, so... Um, so do you feel like that was rock bottom? Yes, very much so. Okay. Um, I remember waking up the next morning and um, one of my sweet friends um, that had been in Bible study with me had given me this framed um, uh, print of uh, Proverbs 31. And I remember waking up the next morning, it was on my nightstand and looking at it and my eyes just focused on the verse that says, um, her husband is respected at the city gates. And I just lost it and thought, that's not my husband. He's not respected because of me um, and the embarrassment and shame that I had caused him um, and through all of that. That was definitely rock bottom. And I thought, I gotta fix this. I've got to be a better wife. Um, I have been really selfish. Um, and I've just got to be a better wife. And we um, went through um, several weeks of really hard arguing um, over, you know, that incident and me just waiting to be um, forgiven, begging him for forgiveness. Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Are you okay now? No, I'm not okay. Well, when are you gonna, you know, and it would, I would sort of be like, I'm just gonna keep trying. I'm just gonna keep trying. Um, and then, you know, I'd go through a couple of days or a week of I'm not okay. And I'd be like, when are you ever gonna be okay? Like, how much do I have to do? I mean, it was wearing me out. I was so tired. And then I realized I was tired because I was pregnant. 
we had been trying to get pregnant. And through these arguments and everything over the last couple, like several weeks leading up to this, somehow I'm pregnant. We had started going through um, some, uh, um, uh, um, I can't even think of it, but um, some medicines to make me more fertile, for lack of (laughs) me trying to think of it. Um, And so obviously I had, gotten a little more fertile and we were pregnant, but my cycles have been so off, not able to track. That was part of our trouble getting pregnant. Um, And I had no idea that I was pregnant. So I'm pregnant um, after a wild night of binge drinking. So for somebody that's like a control freak, I'm thinking like, what did I just do to my baby? Because I was pregnant before then, Um, but didn't know it, obviously. And so now we're pregnant. Um, We're in a horrible place together. and, and it's just not good. And I'm like, what are we going to do? But I'm thinking, it's great now. We've got this baby that's going to be coming, and we're going to be okay. And um, so sort of throughout, like, pregnancy, um, really just continuing to try and, and work on our marriage, work with, with him. Um, we started going to counseling um, in uh in the summer after having, you know, just fought endlessly for six months. Um, I was listening to um, a friend that has a church in Myrtle Beach. I was listening to um, some of his sermons um, on marriage. And ironically enough, I would turn around and teach those sermons to my married adult Sunday school class. Um, the next um, week, um, I had asked um, the, the minister here at the time, it was um, uh, Steve Turner, um, and he knew the guy whose church it was. And I said, "Hey, I really love um, you know some of Trey's material. Could I could I go over it with our class? Could we do a marriage unit?" And he said, "Yeah, I think that'd be great." Um, and so I decided to teach marriage to our Sunday school <laughs> class, um, and hope that it would you know fall onto me. And so we would fight about it Saturday night, fight about. Um, everything that's going on in our lives and I'm begging him to forgive me and we're fighting and then we show up at church the next morning and a little extra mascara to hide the bags and I teach this lesson. Um, and then we go home and like another week would roll around and, and, and we just fight. Um, so then we were going to counseling and it was all right. Um, and, but still, I just did not feel forgiven by him, which is... Okay, and I remember talking to someone. They're like, "It's not up to you if he forgives you. You know, you just still have to keep at it. Um, and you know, that is on him. You need, but you can't control his forgiveness. You don't own that. Um, you own your apology and your remorse and your actions, but not his forgiveness. Um, and uh, um, Baylor, our son." Um, uh, was born. Um, he came a couple of weeks early. Um, he had a, a birth injury when he was born. Um, his nerves were ripped in his shoulder, um, and we um, had to. Uh, he didn't move his right arm for a couple of weeks. We entered into um, some occupational therapy for him. Um, he was going three days a week, um, and lots of different tests and things to make sure that he was okay. And I sort of just poured in to him and um, was sort of like immediately like mama bear, um, but also felt like, you know, this is the child that I begged for. Um, I, I am responsible for him. I've got to do everything for him. If he wakes up in the night, it's me. If he has a dirty diaper, it's me. If he's crying, it's me because I asked for him and I have to prove to Doug that I really wanted him and that this was it. Um, and I was exhausted, um, exhausted from going back to work, but still trying to get my son to therapy a couple days a week. He ended up having to wear one of the um, dock band helmet things and driving to Charlotte to get that adjusted. And I'm exhausted, um, but not too tired to still repeatedly ask Doug, are we okay? On like a Saturday night as we were going to bed, he'd say, yes, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Or we will be. And those don't sit well with me. I'm like, no, we can't. I can't hear we will be. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't leave well enough alone. I poked and I prodded every single like weekend night that I knew we didn't have because I was sane enough or respectful enough to know like we both have to be at work the next day. I got to let you sleep. But on the weekends, fair game for fighting as soon as both kids were in bed. And it would start as soon as we got under the covers and I would start, are we okay? We will be. Nope, we're going to make it okay tonight screaming matches, 
I'd say pack your bags. I'd say I'm packing my bags. I'm saying you don't love me. Why won't you fix this? What is all this for? I mean, drama. I would dramatically storm into the bathroom and hope that he'd come after me. If he didn't come after me, I'd turn up the crying a little more, like, <laughs> and hope that he'd think like, oh my gosh, she quit breathing. Um, is she okay? Um, occasionally he'd come in, but it was usually just to say, you are being ridiculous. Stop, it is 3 a.m., come back to bed. Only if you tell me we're gonna be okay. We will be, but are we? No, we and so I mean, we just fought back and forth all the time. And so one of these nights, one of these nights, pick the fight, I go into the bathroom, and I, you guys, I got so self-righteous through this process because I was seeking wise counsel. We were going to Christian counseling. I am praying about it. I am listening to some really good praise and worship music, like an awesome playlist. And I am just like, I, and we had friends that were praying for us and with us, and I am doing all the right things. I am taking the right steps to be forgiven. I'm doing what it says. I'm memorizing scripture. And I'm just like, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, Doug. Why won't you forgive me? And thinking like, this is on him now. He is just messing us up. He won't give in. And praying for him to be released from this sin of unforgiveness. And so I'm in the bathroom one night being dramatic after fighting with him for several hours. And I'm on the bathroom floor, self-righteously praying, knees up. You know, perfect picture of crying and desperation. Knees up, right, like this, just on the bathroom floor. And I said... Dear Lord, please, just fix my marriage. Why won't you fix my marriage? And I wanted that so badly. I wanted him to fix my marriage. I wanted it fixed. I did. And for the only time in my life, I audibly heard the Lord say to me, it is not your marriage that is broken. You are broken, Rachel. You are he didn't keep going. He just said, you are broken. <laughs> you are broken. You are broken. You are broken. I added some more to it after that, but I was broken. And I walked out of it, like, I mean, hysterically crying to this moment of complete clarity. And I walked out of the bathroom. I said, are you asleep? And he said... No, because usually it was, how could you go to sleep when I'm still in there crying? Are you asleep? He said, no. And I said, God just spoke to me. <laughs> and I'm not crying anymore. I am as serious as I can be. And I said, I'm done with this. I'm done with this fighting. I'm done pushing you to forgive me. This is not you. This is me. I have got to fix myself. I am sorry you can go to sleep. And um, I think Doug would remember this in a very different way um, because he has become sort of immune to my drama. I'm still standing up. Um, he's become sort of immune to that. And I think his take on the story, I was even talking to him about it over the last couple of weeks um, about sharing this. And um, he was like, what? And he, what happened? And I was like, you know, when God spoke to me. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, when? I'm like, you know, when we went months, like, fighting from, like, 10, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Friday and Saturday night. And he was like, Rachel, I mean, I feel like we got in, like, a couple fights, but, like, I don't remember it like this. And I'm like, of course you don't. But I, I promise you, this is not hyperbole. This is what it was. But it did not, um, it didn't, he just does not remember it like that. But that, like, we were talking about other moments that were rock bottom, those were rock bottom. This was turnaround. So do you feel like this is like this is when you truly started to really understand what it meant to enter into relationships? Yes. That this was that there were that I could not continue to just read a script mm -hmm. in my life. That I could not um, that there was so much that was out there that I was not, that I was completely missing, um, that there was um, brokenness mm -hmm. in me mm -hmm. that had to be fixed. And that is not comfortable because other people are so much 
better to fix than yourself. Um, but to look at that brokenness and begin to figure out what, what is broken. Is it all of me? Is it just little pieces? Is it just this part? Is it just the parts of you know, me being a wife? What is broken? But again, trying to like categorize everything. And it just felt the Lord saying to me over and over again, it's you. You are broken, Rachel. Like, figure it out. Like, and get better. Do better. Get in my word. Like, you know the word because you'll teach it. You'll quote it. You'll talk about it with friends. But you have not internalized it. Like, you do listen to what you're saying and, and be that person. You have all the tools there. You know, you've been in my house and in my word for 34 years. Act like it. Make the connect, connect the dots. Stupid. He didn't call me stupid. Stupid. You know, but it was like, <laughs> get with the program. And um, I heard um, Beth Moore say the other day, um, she said, sometimes God will not give you the, the desire of your heart because in your brokenness, he will give you your heart's greatest desire, which is him. Yeah. And so I feel like you, you desperately wanted forgiveness and a healthy marriage. Yeah. And when you came to the point of brokenness, you recognized that it was Jesus that you wanted truly. Yes. More than the other things. And he withheld those for a while for you. Yes, so, and, but, and he continu- continued to because it was not come out of the bathroom, God spoke to me, it's my fault, not yours, we're good. Like it was a journey. It was still a process. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I would vacillate every day back and forth between I can do this, God, I can be better. And then when one thing wouldn't go my way, I'd be like, I, I, I would figure out what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus and then convince myself that I wasn't capable of it, that Mm -hmm. I had messed up too much, Mm -hmm. that I was too broken, I couldn't fix it. You are beyond it, Rachel. I mean, I just, and then it would take, you know, a week or so of just head trash, talking to myself, beating myself up before I could get back on the horse again and just said, no, God, I, I know the brokenness. I know that I'm completely broken, but I'm not beyond you. And it would go well for a few days and then back. And, you know, and I sort of still did this back and forth, but I, I feel like every day the, the fourth was um, farther than the back, you know. So I would step back a little, but I would push forward a little more, um, just until it would all be gone, and to understand. Um, so it, his grace. It sounds like you just really struggled with how to for, accept forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you still struggle with it? Um, yes, um, often, but often not. Um, it, but I try and tell myself it's it's. It's good. I don't need to take forgiveness for granted and just say, oh, I'm forgiven. Um, that, that I need to understand um, the depths of my sin and my despair. Um, and I get bogged down in that way easier than I get bogged up, <laughs> brought up in the grace that covers it all. Mm-hmm. I'm so quick to say... Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not enough. I get, I get caught up in, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I will truly just talk myself out of my relationship with Jesus. I'll get caught up on scripture. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes that practice of, you know, putting your, your name in a verse, um, and it's, you know, supposed to be things, you know, like I am, Rachel is fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, those types of things to just feel the Lord pouring over you. And I get caught up on verses like Rachel has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I leave it there. You know, and I get caught up in um, lyrics like we sang tonight, like... Like there's a disco in here. 
um, you know, like lyrics that we sang tonight of, um, you know, it was my sin that held him there. And I get so bogged down in what I did um, and my sin. And Nope, nothing is wrong with your podcast. That was us. I may have failed to mention it earlier, but during the live event, we lost power. There was a terrible storm that night and suddenly no more lights, no more sound, no more recording. I'm so thankful the recording that we had to that point was safe. She didn't continue on for much longer, but sadly, if you were not there, you missed the most powerful words that she shared. At the end, Rachel shared that she gets so caught up in her sin that she cannot move forward. She felt she could not change. It's that if we stay in that cycle of self-punishment and shame, it's easy to think that we're not fixable, but we are fixable. But we cannot fix it. We have to stop trying to fix it because we can't, but he can. Rachel said she has a motto. I love a girl with a motto. Get to Sunday. I get so caught up in Friday in the sin, she says. I get caught up in the sin and in the shame, in the punishment that I deserve, that I just get stuck there. I have to get to Sunday. On Sunday, he rose. On Sunday, there was grace. And all the burden of me trying to account for my sins, it was stopped. On Sunday, there was change. You know, there is so much freedom in being seen, in giving up the hiding. The hiding can keep us stuck in shame. But really, we aren't hiding. He already knows. We are broken, yes. And he is waiting on you to know and to tell him. His grace and his love is waiting on us to come out of the hiding. Like Megan said, at the well, the woman wasn't looking for Jesus, but he was waiting on her. Thank you so, so much for listening to this month's The Well podcast. Please share this with your friends and rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you have any questions or want to tell us something, email us at shandonwomen at gmail.com. Come and see us at Shandon Baptist Church for our next Well event. Our schedule is linked on the episode.